Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. We are back after a little uh, mid-session break uh, during the international break. Uh, more on that in a second. So if you did miss us last week, that is why. And I can confirm that we are the podcast that wouldn't dream of getting sent off on its return to Liga. More on that also. My name is Chris. I am your host and happy to say we've got both Phil and Jez back this week. And how are you both doing? I'm good. I'm good. A, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Good all week. sorts of uh, power shortages earlier in in the neighbourhood. My cat was less bothered because every time the automatic cat feeder mm-hmm. rebooted, it puts out a kind of test portion. Ah. So we ended up having four breakfasts. Maybe he was the brains behind this, this operation. All got under control i doubt that seriously but he was a happy cat he was loving life today must be a cat thing because i've just ordered my my uh, moggy the next month supply as well so it must be going round. anyway how's your cats just <laughs> let's uh, yeah my cats very well excellent splendid right join us again for uh dogs weekly next week anyway uh let's get into the football then that's the most random intro we've ever had i think um there's a feature in podcast just about cats and football kits maybe oh yeah 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 absolutely especially if they made them that specific size that would be awesome anyway businesses ideas uh right we're going to jump into uh a couple of bits and bobs and we'll start with the international just just a very quick rehab Rehash, rehash, I should say. Um, just while we were off, uh, France played two games. We already knew they'd qualified. Uh, they drew with Greece 2-2 in a largely rotated team, which is a shame they couldn't get a complete set of wins from the group. And that rounded it off. But I guess the story was more the week before that, where Didier Deschamps sent out um, a pretty strong team against uh, Gibraltar and spanked 14 past them. That's 14 it's a new record, I believe, in European qualification. And um should say as well, happy birthday to Ami Jacquet today. It's his uh, 82nd birthday, speaking of French international football. But anyway, I digress. It doesn't mean a lot, Jez, does it? But two things I guess we take from this. One, Zaya Emery got the call-up and got the start. Unfortunately, had to leave the pitch injured. He's out till next year now, and we'll touch on that with PSG. But the other story here is you don't see this often, do you? You don't see international or even club managers when a team is five, six, seven up to say, no, we keep going. And that's exactly what France did. Is it one of those kind of marker situations, do you feel? Or is it just Deschamps going, nah, we'll just slap this lot? I don't, I don't think there's too much to be read into it. I think actually the Azerbaijan match was sort of retrospectively if I'm remembering it rightly kind of more important because that was maybe the campaign where they also had like a real sort of reference 3-1 win in Romania and that was sort of a sign that this French team was kind of on the way to doing something and I think it was qualifying maybe for 96 and it sort of obviously grew into 98 etc this one I think I mean, first of all, we know that there's always been these issues with some of the internationals. And to be fair, like, you know, the return leg was, or the, you know, the first match between them was only 3-0. It wasn't sort of a a kind of real car crash or a real 
kind of chasm between the two teams. But this one, I think, you know, at home, Gibraltar reduced to 10 men pretty early. Um, yeah, it was a cakewalk and it was a bit embarrassing. And I think whatever France had done, they'd have been criticised by somewhere. I think a lot of a lot of French coverage I saw kind of said they did what they they sort of treated Gibraltar with respect by playing properly and not taking their foot off the gas and you know mm-hmm. uh, being professionals for the full ninety minutes. Whereas a lot of the English coverage I've seen has said it's disgusting of France; they should have just um, <coughs> stopped playing at half time, that kind of thing. So. I don't know. Yeah, I think <laughs> apart from obviously just any English excuse for a bit of France bashing, um, I, yeah, they were sort of a bit damned if they do, damned if they don't. And I think it made some elements of international football look a bit embarrassing. But then, you know, a few years ago it was San Marino, Luxembourg being smashed. And now they're actually... You know, Luxembourg have had a relatively decent qualifying campaign. San Marino is sort of only losing by the one goal now. Mm. You've got to start somewhere. Um, this is why we've got the Nations League. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And as a as a a lover of all things Maltese, I found it quite interesting how the narrative changed in that England game, where it was like. You know, well, you've got to give them respect, etc. They're playing quite well, and then by mid part of the halfway half point of the second half, it was like, how are we, how are England not smashing this lot? They're nobodies, and it's like, yeah. So I do I, think it just depends where you come from. I think uh, something just mentioned is that nobody's really talking about how that red card for Gibraltar really, you know, changed the game, mm. <clears throat> as it were. But what I thought was particularly hilarious, was that uh, Giroud, when he came on, his first goal was brought out. Mm. It was like, and you could see him saying, ref, seriously, and he ended up getting a double, I think, one of which was an overhead kick, and it's like, well, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, um, as Jess said, when I talk to friends who follow football, they were like, at half time, they're 7-0 up, and Dejan is saying, do you know what the record is? Mm. Let's go for the record. And I got no problem with that at all. No. That was great. And then other friends who aren't football fans were just like, that was me. Mm. What I thought was weird was Mike Maignan, who was in goal for France, got a better rating on who scored than the Gibraltar keeper. Now, I understand why, but the Gibraltar keeper did make six saves. He made a couple of fantastic saves. Whereas Maignan didn't have to face a shot. Mm. Gibraltar didn't have a shot, let alone a shot on target. He might as well have been, you know, reading a magazine and taking out macrame. 
Mm. I think at that point you've got to say this is an NA situation. Mm. I, he shouldn't have got points for anything because he had nothing to do. Yeah. But there we go. But in the Greece game, uh, what I thought was particularly hilarious was it was Ioannidis who got the equaliser, I think. Obviously, OM's bet noir after he got the goal that put him out of the Champions League qualifying, etc., etc. So it was an interesting week for uh, for France, and everyone had a massive amount of fun. If you weren't Gibraltar, yeah, if you weren't yeah. on. The- on the rock. You say everyone had a lot of fun and yeah, in that match, true. But I think um there were other things to take out of the two matches. Um I think Kloss has arguably, if there's any justice in the world, made himself the number one right back. I still yeah. don't rate Kunde as a right back. I'm not convinced about him as a centre back either. Um but I think Kloss impressed Yusuf Fafana I think was the big winner of the two matches I think he was fantastic in both matches he came on um, in the Gibraltar match after the injury to Zaya Emery which also reduced Gibraltar to 10 men so it kind of helped him in that sense but I think he had by far the most number of touches and and sort of was very involved in everything and was also the the best France player in the Greece match Um, I felt sorry for Griezmann that he didn't get on the score sheet in either match. He had a fantastic volley that that hit the post against um, against Greece and yeah. uh, really unselfish sort of chest down to to set Shiru up for for his yeah. first goal against against Gibraltar. But again, I th- I thought he played well, and again, everything France did well in the second match that counted a bit more sort of went through him. Mm. Um, I thought Mbappe was kind of Mbappe, even against Gibraltar. I really thought he wasted a lot. He sometimes made bad decisions. He kept the ball a bit too long at times when he should have passed it. And yet he had three goals, the last one brilliant, three assists, and he had the assist for the Giroud one that Phil mentioned that was narrowly ruled out. And I'm sorry, and I know this might be your segue into PSG and... He, I think, is playing very well for PSG, actually, the last couple of weeks. I thought Dembele, despite scoring against Gibraltar, was pretty awful in both matches and Mm. still seems to be treated with more indulgence than anyone else. Um, You know, they Lekip kind of credited him with only losing the ball eight times. Um, That's whatever I've said what I think of him. I just I don't think he's... uh, I just don't think he. You can rely on him in international football. Let, let's... And, and to me, Coman is so much better, and I thought he was very good against Gibraltar, actually. Yeah, I think he, I think Coman's quite underrated. If I'm if I'm honest, I thought that for a long time. Let Let's segue into that then. Why Why not? No, and why? just very quickly in the debate about up front, I still don't think anyone actually is putting putting themselves forward as doing a better job than Giroud. I still think Colin Muani looks weak and. 
he got an early goal against Gibraltar, but considering it was Gibraltar and it was 14-0, I don't think Turan did a great job, actually. Mm. Turan's the one, as as an Inter fan, Turan's the one, I mean, he was absolutely brilliant on Sunday. In the He's playing brilliantly for Inter. I, yeah. So, you know, in that sense, I think he's going to keep his, giving himself chances, although it seems that everyone says that Deschamps actually prefers Kolomuani and would like mm. him to give him an excuse to put him ahead but yeah yeah I just for France I think Turam has done more since the World Cup obviously yeah but true. neither of them have absolutely convinced I don't think Colin Wani's got to be a centre forward as well him playing wide is just not the one for me based on the PSG no I disagree I would say that more about Turam do you think do you think yeah I mean don't get wrong I think Turam's the same as well but I just don't think Colin Wani is is utilised particularly well as a wide player, although maybe that is something to do with the PSG setup and and how they play. Let's talk about them then. Um, I think you both want to have a word on this one. They beat Monaco on Friday night by five goals to two. And it was one of those games where it's quite hard looking back because I watched this and (laughs) Monaco could easily have, have been in front twice, three times in this game. And yet they contrived to lose 5-2. I think the score is a bit flattering. Um, those people saying Dembele's goal was brilliant. It was awful goalkeeping. I'm uh, just going to throw that out there right now. But it was, I think it was the first touch that was brilliant. I agree about that. Yeah, the first touch is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give that. But the shot itself, I thought, was very saveable. And it was a night of goalkeepers. Um, let me start with you, Phil, on this one, because I think you saw this. It, it, it was or not. Or, or not. I mean... It's just it was just a bit chaotic in terms of how the game went because like I say PSG's yeah. defending was terrible but they're attacking yeah you know, they looked like they could score every single time they went forward and they missed Leia yeah. Emery which is a huge that second half was just a bit bizarre um, mm. I I was watching a film that I didn't think I'd like but I ended up watching so I missed the first half. But having seen some replays, I mean, the Ramos open scoring, Minamino equalised, and that was a utter fucker. Both were, yeah. Donnarumma. Yeah. Um, just to play it out for the... No, don't play it to him. Mm. Um, and so when it got to the second half, you had the... Dembele goal, which was a lovely finish. I know you're going to say it was bad defending, but what I think really shocked Monaco was that there were a couple of subs and Virginia scores two minutes later. Good goal, which was like a whole what the fuck situation. Balogun did his best to put Monaco back in game. That was a that was a thwack. Mm. That was a really good. um, You could almost sense the annoyance from him doing that. But yeah, it was that was an odd game. Mm. I mean, it was great fun to watch, but it was. A bit weird, frankly. Yeah. So you know, we have well, to kind of go with that. 
where do you where, where do you come at and on this one, Jess? Because I think because PSG, we're not going to go too deep on the European previews this week um, because a lot's going to get sorted out. So it's better to review than preview. But they are playing Newcastle tonight, um, and essentially, if they win, then then they're through. If they don't, then it's all systems go for the final game. If they draw, they should be all right. It's kind of a bit of a, a bit of a weird old group, but. They are going to have to find that home form that they seem to have found the click for this game tonight, aren't they? Because there, there was some pretty poor defending in this game. And Monaco, I wouldn't say they missed a lot of chances, but they had a lot of near things. The first, I think the first goal from Vanderson, I was quite surprised that was given off. I didn't think it was, if I'm honest. But, you know, VAR going to VAR. Um it, it was just, as, just like Phil said, it felt like a bit of a strange game to me. It, it didn't really tell me anything that I didn't already know about PSG. What did you feel about it? No, I think it, it pretty much sums up where PSG are at and what we've said so far all season. They're, they can be fantastic going forward, um, but I still don't think their defence is, is that good. Yeah. Um, okay, Marquinhos wasn't playing, but he hasn't necessarily been in great form. I mean, Donnarumma, in a way, sums up the whole team in that, you know, horrific mistake for Monaco's opener and then a couple of fantastic saves to to keep it either level or keep PSG in front at the time. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, their home form is, is good. Um, I think they'll have learned from the previous Newcastle match um, and I expect that they, I think they'll win tonight. Yeah. So. As they go further into the competition, they will face better attacks and better defences. And so I think, uh, yeah, I worry that at some point they'll just, they will be outscored by by a better team that are able to to sort of handle Mbappe better and are able to exploit Skriniar more. Um, is it... Yeah. Is it- is it win or bust Champions League like for them this year? Like, because this is the first season where I feel like it hasn't been talked about as much. It has by the media, but by you know, like those insiders at PSG, it almost seems like that not that buzz has gone away. But since Neymar, Messi, etc., moved on, it I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be as talked about as much. As much. Do you still think it's the priority for for the owners and and the brand of PSG, or or is it more about just I, definitely, I definitely think it's the priority. I don't know if they're sort of as certain, even though I think it was very, very, very misplaced certainty. I don't think they're as certain this year that they're going to win it as they have been in previous years because of the the loss of um, you know those 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 two big names, and it is a transition. There is quite a lot of change in the team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still think the season will always be judged by how they do in Champions League because they will still always expect to win the league. Anything less is a disappointment. Um, the cup is the cup; they should win it, but you know it depends on a few sort of vagaries at the at the time of the matches. But um, yeah, the Champions League is the only one where seriously they're sort of you know challenged and and. And where they're consistently found wanting, so yeah, um, I think they might be given a bit of leeway this year in the way that they're not previously. But also, there's the whole spectre of Mbappe, 
Yeah, just... is he going to stay again? Is he not? I mean, frankly, either way, you know, if they win it, it makes it even easier actually for him to to leave. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I suspect that if he leaves in the summer, and I'm still not sure that will happen because he's sort of burnt two sets of bridges at Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think he'll be leaving with a Champions League winners medal. No. No, as I say, we will look back on that result or whatever the result is tonight on next week's show. So we'll have a little bit of a better organisation, a bit of, organization, bit of a, a better assumption of where they're going to be and what they're going to be able to do. But yeah, I, I just want to. I also I want to mention Ramos because Phil mentioned him. He scored. It was a tap in after you know, arguably Monaco's keeper should have done a little bit better as well. Yeah, um, I think it's only his third goal of the season, maybe. Sounds um, about right. Yeah. He, they gave him. They've taken up their purchase option for yeah. him, and I don't understand why. <laughs> I don't. I think, he hasn't done anything to earn it. I think it's an investment, isn't it? I think they're looking at this as uh, what shirt know, sales. I don't like what I was thinking. More sell on what S- in sell on value. investment in an extremely average striker. <laughs> oh yeah, there is that. <laughs> I, I feel like he's he's one of those players that I think they're investing in his youth and the fact that they can sell him on at a profit if he does quite well. well. Investing in youth, he can, he can they can buy my two year old if they want. I'll, <laughs> can I'll buy s- any of mine. I'll sell her for half. They can have her for thirty million. Yeah, true, true. But do you not think that if a club like I don't know, say for example, a Newcastle, you know, were struggling for goals and or well, insert Premier League team X, Y, or Z here, and and he, you know it's not working out for it. Kind of like, I mean, what's happened? What's happened to Ekatike? I mean, does he even train at PSG anymore? I mean, like he's just been completely, you know, he's not even being named as a sub, is he? Like that's quite a sad story. And if he goes, then they're probably going to need that depth, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm clutching at straws a bit, but just feels. I just felt like that deal was going to happen no matter what. And now it's it, if he if he does well, he does well. If he doesn't, they sell him on. That's kind of how I'd see it, but. Must must check on Ekatike. I hope he's yeah, right. but they'll sell him on for a big loss because they spent a fortune on him, which I don't think it, he's worth at all. It's like 50 mil, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Um, so that's PSG in Europe tonight. Uh, out of the frying pan into the fire. Another week goes by and another Leon defeat. Uh, before we go into Leon, um, Phil, I wanted to give some credit to, to Lille because very quietly under the radar Paolo Fonseca is doing a, a pretty good job with Lille they're doing very well in Europe looks like they're going to progress to the next stages there the this result although Leon were well let's be honest they were pretty awful again but Lille are up to fourth now and they've just been putting this this little run together and I looked at that squad um it's pretty decent isn't it Lille's squad and, and I say tactically I think Fonseca's been doing all right were you quite impressed with what they've done there and the reception that Mtiti got was very heartwarming as well when he came on for the last few minutes at, at Leon. Yes, definitely. But I think with Leon, we've kind of been expecting this for throughout. And it's not a surprise that they are up there. Because, yes, they do have a good team. They do seem to be reasonably well managed on and off the pitch, as it were. Yeah. So it's not a surprise 
that they're fourth. I think the um, champion of the Europa Conference thingy, what's it, has maybe not uh, represented what they're doing in the league because they are taking their foot off the gas a bit in that competition. So, yeah, I, it's not a surprise to me. I did think that the game on Sunday might have been a, a nil-nil draw. I haven't minded on that. Never did, you think, did you think that? Yeah. I, I, I just... they, they did do well there. And if we're looking at that with Leon, which is just a ridiculous situation, frankly, and if they're talking about selling Lacazette and Salisa in January and um, Swiss Ramble has uh, put up some very interesting stuff about the finances at Leon, mm. which might explain some of the problems they're having on the pitch. Um, a couple of years back, we were looking at Lille as having problems off the pitch connected to finances and management and whatever, but they appear to have kind of worked that out a bit more. Yeah. And so that's you know, you'd expect to see them up there, but I think it's given that the other clubs you'd expect to see up there, Marseille, Lyon, etc., aren't, they are where you'd expect them to be. Mm. I think they I think they've overperformed based on because I, I just I always feel like teams that are in Europe, especially like without the resources of PSG and struggle struggle in the league, but I've been impressed with, let's say, with Fonseca, his management of Jonathan David, for example, brought him back into the starting lineup this weekend, gave him the armband, and he rewarded him with a goal, um, which is fantastic. That Santos, the fullback, I wasn't really aware of him. I think he came from Portugal in the summer. Um, it's a hell of a strike for the second. Lopez, slightly questionable goalkeeping, I thought, again, but he was up and down that wing all game. Uh, to me, they just looked like a really well-settled, established side, um, which is anything but what Leon look... Um, Sorry, Jez, I'm going to have to do it again. But let me ask you a slightly different question to the question I ask you every single week this season so far. Um, it's a two-pronged question. Is Fabio Grosso under severe pressure at this point? And is Leon's squad actually any good? Because I was at halftime, I was looking at it, they were 2-0 down, and I thought, is there anything in this squad that tells me they're going to come back and get you know even a goal? Lacazette was substituted at halftime. I don't know if that was an injury, but he looked pretty cheesed off either way and I looked at that Leon squad on paper and it, it's just full of players that a are just not very good or in poor form or don't want to be there in the case of Shirky um they brought on is it Paul Akukuku who I forgot they'd even got from Spain in the summer they've signed a guy from Brazil as Enrique I think his name is I didn't even know was there um there's the two questions for you is is Grosso, you know, is is another change of manager in on the horizon, and 
what do you make of that Leon squad? Is that a squad that is any better than a Bordeaux or St Etienne squad that went down, for example? Uh, yeah, it's not it's not a very good Leon squad, but it's better than those squads. Um, you've got Lopez, who I know is unpopular among other fans, and he has his sort of rushes of blood to the head, but is a very good keeper. You've got, okay, the defence will come back to, but it does include a reigning world champion. Um, midfield, there's, you know, there's decent players. Okay, Tolisso is injury prone, Le Penon's injured. You've got Kakare, who I still think is a reliable metronome. The problem is he's being expected to be some kind of playmaker as well. There's lots of talent still up front. Not lots, maybe, but there is some talent. You say Shirky doesn't want to be there. I think Shirky's being made to feel like that. I don't think he's expressed any particular um, you know, unrest or anything other than with, with Grosso. And um, yeah, it's not it's not brilliant. I think as hampered as they might have been by the DNCG, I think the their recent transfer activity has been absolute rubbish. Um, just, you know, I hate that sort of, you know, always makes me think of Koncheski and Liverpool. He's not a Liverpool player. That doesn't really mean anything to me. But the players that Leon have brought in are not sort of top-class players that you'd expect to be challenging for Champions League. But at the same time, the players already there and those players that have come in are not players that should be fighting against relegation either. Lacazette, okay, he's old, uh, but steady on. <laughs> you don't go from scoring almost 30 goals last year to, to absolutely nothing this year without some kind of reasons for it. He went off at half-time because he was subbed at half-time. He was dropped like it was an injury so there was no injury Rosso okay. I think is just not good enough and you know Lee uh Lekeep's headline on on Monday was basically Grosso's plan A and plan B failed every match he's making wholesale changes but more worryingly every match he's making wholesale changes at half time mm. which says a lot about his decision making sort of pre-match um but yeah every substitution he made well, no substitution that he made improved anything at the weekend. So I just, I don't think he's up to it. Some of the players arguably aren't, but they're not being given any chances, I don't think. you Again, that you look at the team, it's not a team that should be going down. Um, and this, they really are in danger. Of this, I mean, you know, the, the stats show that pretty much any team that's been in their kind of position or their kind of points haul at this stage of the season is in serious trouble. And like I said, you know, the spine of the team, you've got a Lopez, a Taliafico, um, Kakare and Taliso, Lacazette. They they should be doing better and a decent manager would be getting a little bit more out of those other players. You know, take, take something like someone like Cadawera, who's, you know, been criticised a lot. Again, is not a Champions League striker. But has had good periods in the past. Even Lyon have got some goals from him in the past. He's showing absolutely nothing at the moment. Maitland-Niles, you know a lot more about than I do, but he's That's not it. as he's not a consistent two out of ten player. No. Which is pretty much what he's getting in Lekip when he plays. Yeah. Um, Sherky, again, you know, okay, we we didn't talk about the fact that 
France's under-21s lost both of their matches during the during the international break. But we saw what he has been doing this season for them. You don't he doesn't suddenly become an awful player without there being factors around it. So I I think I think you're letting off very lightly Grosso and everyone else around the club if you're just saying that the players aren't good enough. And it's also maybe a bit hard. Well, I don't know if it's harsh on the players because it sort of works both ways. They're better than that. Mm. But then therefore they're underperforming all the more. In terms of Grosso, I don't know if they can afford to get rid of him. No, that's uh, my next question. No, I was going to say with hindsight, but it doesn't even take that much hindsight. He's been a horrific appointment. Mm. What was it? Was it? Um, if it's, you're in Liam's, Victor if, has just said, I think today or yesterday, that he loves him. Well, that's great, but you'll have to love him in league. So that that feels like the you have the utmost support of the club. But if, if they carry on the way they are, I mean, we've just seen Toir dispense with Patrick Kisnorbo uh, uh, in, and they've gone, Toir have gone from a mid-table Ligue 1 side to struggling to stay in, in Ligue 2 now. I mean, mm. like, and that is the level that we could be talking about with, with Leon. And I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know who the French equivalent of Harry Redknapp is or Neil Warnock is, but you just feel that, yes, he had a good... Well, yeah, good point. Yes, um, Grosso was good. It was it Frosinone, I think it was in, in Italy, but but it's like it felt it feels like Silvino Mark II for me. It, it's it's an inexperienced coach coming into an inexperienced club. Okay, yeah, he played there, but he's not coming back to the Leon he played with. He, he's coming back to a Leon that's <laughs> all over the shop in terms of management. There well, yeah, exactly. He's, you know, I wouldn't say he's a legendary figure. I just it feels to me like a club that has to be built from. You know, they, they need to get a, a Juninho type figure back or somebody who's who's going to almost be the the spokesperson above, not above, but on parallel with Texter. Because I, I feel like Texas. You say that, but you mentioned Silvino. It was Juninho who brought Silvino in. And yeah, there true. are rumours that Juninho is going to come back. But just because he was a brilliant free kick taker, it doesn't mean he's a good sporting director. And I think <laughs> no, that's fair. Juninho, that is fair. I think oh, can we, that he's can not. we talk about OM? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll come on to them in a second. I, I just, yeah, you're right to point that out, Jess. I think what I think the point I'm sort of trying to make is somebody who knows Leon deep, somebody who who basically bleeds the club, um, needs to be the one that that sort of helms the recovery. And I must admit, I didn't realise the Lacazette situation wasn't an injury. I just assumed he was injured. Um, yeah, he's not banging form, but he's one of those players that you can see he cares. And when you know, I... I think it was probably summed up. There was in the sort of you know player by player ratings mm. for the match on Sunday. O'Brien got, I think he got a five. I think he was maybe the highest ranked Leon player. Yeah. And as Lekip said, he wasn't signed to be the first team starting, mm. and now he's the the defense is basically relying on him. Yeah. Which which is a uh, yeah exactly that exactly that yeah it's nuts. Um. As much as we could do Leon to death, we'll probably have to come back to that again next week, no doubt. What about Marseille then, Phil? Because we should mention them. They're having a pretty rough time of it all across the board. And and um, it took 
less than a month for Gennaro Gattuso to come out and basically say all the players are shit, um, yeah. which is essentially he, what he did on Sunday. <laughs> he was furious. I mean, yeah. whenever um, in France we have uh, Paganelli does many of the interviews. He speaks French just about but he interviews people in English, Spanish, Italian unsuccessfully. And Gattuso was fucking furious, mm. particularly with the second half against uh, Strasbourg, where they drew 1 1. And that's another club where you're thinking, We've got problems because they're looking at bringing in a new sporting director yep. who is two years older than the oldest player, and it just still hasn't worked out for them. And they're 12th at the moment, and can you see them getting back up the table? It's not the way they're It's playing. an awkward situation. It's a mm. very, very awkward situation. Yeah. They, Again, they... The, the, to be fair, it's not the greatest squad in the world. No. Um, no. Certainly in terms of goal scoring. And there they seem to be more reliant on their right back to do their defending and midfield and attacking for them, which is... Yeah, Klaus is, is their best player by a long way. Yeah. I mean, Aubameyang, we discussed last time, I think, but a big flop. Vitinha, yeah. I think, works very hard and, and sort of wears his heart on his sleeve, but... Quality's lacking, isn't, isn't it? Isn't clinical enough. Mm. Um, and they're a bit of a mess. I mean, I just... I personally hope that their poor league form at least stretches for the next couple of your um uh, Europa League matches. But yeah. um I'm not saying I feel sorry for Gattuso because he knew what he was taking on and it's it's probably a better job than he could have hoped for. Mm. But he hasn't got a lot to work with, I don't think. Is it is it a case though that again they're twelfth? Like, you know, they're they're not Six or seventh, they're they're twelfth. Like this is a, you know, this is a massive historic club. I mean, you know, their form, two draws and two losses in the last four, like the Abamyang situation. I mean, it's just like it's just a bit I'm, rotten, isn't it? I mentioned it last time. I'm going to do it again. That the, you know, I interviewed Desai, and most of his answers I completely disagreed with. Actually, mainly mainly the one about Saliba not being world class, but yeah. Um, he was right about Marseille. He said, you know, that the 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 sort of fans and the local papers or whatever are deceiving themselves. They they were a great team. They owe it to themselves to be a great team again. But at the moment, the squad doesn't say great team. No. And and he said, you know, with a bit of luck and um, you know, keeping everyone fit and on form, they could, you know, maybe stretch to to a European place. But it is basically a mid-table squad. Now, 12th, I, I think they're better than 12th. Um, 
but you know you shouldn't be expecting them to challenge for titles and at least in the last few years they've kind of they've had good managers you can probably get more out of the players than than you'd expect yeah. could do so i don't think he's good enough a manager to do that but i'm not putting the blame on him because i don't think he's got a lot to work with yeah but what i thought was interesting was i thought after strasbourg scored marseille looked very good until they equalized and then they just totally went back into their shell. You'd expect them to push on, and they absolutely didn't. I and it's not that... like Strasbourg were good or pinning them back or anything like that. No, Strasbourg started really well. And then, as you say, it, it, as soon as Marseille levelled, I thought there's only one winner here. And then it just didn't happen, did it? I, I thought exactly the same thing. It's a really, really weird game. And the atmosphere was was great. It just it just didn't transpire to, to the Marseille players at all. It was a really strange performance, I thought. And... Maybe Europe saves them, I guess, if they are able to progress through that competition. Maybe that is the... Yeah, they play Ajax next. Yeah. Ajax won, I think, 5-0 at the weekend. Yeah, although I think it's probably fair to say they're not quite hitting the straps at this point just yet. I mean, they're they're recovering, but yeah. Um, we'll have to I just need them to get a result this week. Yeah, I'm sure they can serve that up. Um, let's come back to the... the um, the the league's action then from the weekend there's just one of the team i just want to focus on i think jez and i are going to have a chat about our respective teams in a second but just before i do um phil want to give a little bit of love to nice um i know this will surprise everyone but they won one nil this weekend and it's not like that hasn't happened before um (laughs) do you mean mean love as in the tennis sense zero uh, yes, exactly. Very good. Very good. That's, yeah, I like that. But they have won three, uh, sorry, four of the last five. They're keeping tabs of PSG. They're only a point behind. They've now opened up a five-point gap to Monaco. Um, I mean, they, they do deserve a bit of credit, don't they? I mean, this was yes. it four goals conceded all season. I mean, that's nuts, isn't it? And yet to lose. Oh, yeah, um, they are going horribly the wrong way. And they did play to lose at the weekend um, but I think watching this game it was Sunday lunchtime it's the last rays of summer oh, last <laughs> bit of sun and there was kind of relaxed feel to uh, to this game it wasn't great. Um, to be fair, to lose very early on. I mean, two minutes in, there was this kind of hilarious, chaotic uh, situation which led to them having a goal this loud because Sierra fell backwards onto Sophia and Diop, which seemed a bit harsh. Um but no, Nice are doing what Nice do, which is very much, as you say, a binary situation. And what was interesting to me was when he got to the second half, after Dante was, looked like he'd been knocked out, frankly. Mm. And then, uh, Covered and seemed to be playing as an attacking midfielder. Um, at 40, yeah. At 40 years old. 
Um, so they, I think, um, are the second at the table, but they look really, really smart as well as really, really solid. And that's something that will get interesting, I think, towards the end of the season mm. uh, to see if they can uh, keep up with both of those things. Yeah. I think they will. I'm intrigued, yeah. yeah. I, I do just wonder if there is an, a small, tiny little element of will they run out of steam in the backstretch? That's my only question. But, um, yeah, we will keep tabs on on them and see what happens. Um, Jez, this is the part where you and I have a chat about our game at the weekend, unfortunately, from my perspective <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm the referee. <laughs> Each in your own corners, go. Yeah, well, I, I'm just going to give full credit, to be fair, to, to Mets, who I thought were, were actually very good on the day. And, uh, yeah, to lose like that to a penalty is, is pretty crappy from Lorient's point of view. But um, let me just throw it over to you, Jess. I mean, uh, do you do you feel that Mets have turned a corner in terms of what they can achieve this season? I mean, it's up to ninth now, unbeaten in four. Is there is there enough to say that this season will be a little bit more comfortable than you anticipated. And pre-game, did you think that they had enough to sort of go and, and win? Because L'Oreal's home form is really what's kept them sort of in the division, really, you could argue, for the past couple of seasons. Um, but I, th- I thought the way Mets approached this game and the way they played was actually pretty decent, if, if I take off my my biased hat. <laughs> Um, I think that uh, no, I mean Messi's objective is definitely just to just to stay up this season, and and yeah, it's, they've they've hit a nice little patch of form, uh, as you said. I think it's four unbeaten, two wins, two draws. Um, their their home form actually is still pretty awful. I think the last match was their first home win of the season, and and maybe the the kind of players they have it sort of suits them more to play abroad um away from home in that i think their their defense is stronger than their their attack and um they haven't got that many creative players at all i mean if if shallow got injured then i kind of said it about mikatasi already earlier but he does seem to be the only real sort of creative spark although um van der kerkhoff is is kind of as a converted right back to the right winger is 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 I think gradually finding his feet um but yeah it seems like they're built kind of to 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 kind of soak up pressure and then try to hit teams on the break and <laughs> I think I mean genuinely I, I think until uh, you know that they scored in the in the first minute and I think probably immediately thought right now we, all we need to do is hold on for the next 89 <laughs> yeah um, I think they they really did go into that mode, and so to to come back from two one down and get that win, I think was impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the table. Had they had they lost that, um, and Lorient won, um, you know, Lorient would be ahead of Mess. So I think as as we said before, it's so so close. You know, um, only what seven points separating 
eighth uh, and sixteenth, something like yeah. that. So it can easily change from, from one week to the next. And you look out, you know, Ren before before their win, or even you know, at half time when they were drawing, were sort of relegation candidates. Suddenly, they're they're safely mid table. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly not saying that Mess are comfortable in any way whatsoever yet, but they're they're doing better than I thought they would do. Um, and as we said so many times before, you've kind of got to get the points against your supposed relegation rivals. And at that at this stage, it looks like Laurie, that is what Lorient are, which is a, a bit of a, a dip from where they've been the last couple of years. And I think there's various reasons for it. And, and I, I still don't understand their transfer policy of the last couple of years. Just going to say that, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I have my theory. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut across you. I have my theories on... On, uh, I don't think Labrie is happy there at all. I think he wanted to go in the summer, and I feel like that's this is what happens when you don't honour a, th- a gentleman's agreement. You know, I think you might be right, but also like I read that um, he was sort of in order to kind of keep him there, he was given a lot more say over transfers and things. So if True. those transfers are are down to him, I don't know if they are or not. And mm. again, I don't like Leon. I don't think it was a great a great. Um, in terms of incoming, I don't think it was brilliant in the summer. Mm. Um, then you know maybe he has to take some of the blame for that as well. Yeah, true. They they do have Croupy Junior though, who I don't know if you got a chance to watch at the weekend, but he looks a real find. Um, already sorts and talk that he could get a move in January, which is delightful. You know, finally get a yeah, goal that, score. That sounds like Laurie. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, Bournemouth already having his shirt. Yeah, just literally thinking Bournemouth will be the ones, but um, he looks a real talent and. Uh, yeah, if, if he gets an opportunity, he may well do do all right, but probably not with Lorient. Um, just before we uh, do a quick roundup of the other results, did you want to just bring us up to speed? You, you did drop them into that conversation there, Ren. A uh, little bit of change, I think it's fair to say, while we've been away. Yeah, so uh, Genesio has left. I think there were very strong rumours he was going to be got rid of. In the end, he wasn't got rid of, but I think he didn't appreciate <laughs> That was all handled, so I think he he walked. There were for for a while it looked like Florian Maurice was going to follow him out, even though there's also rumours that the two of them fell out. Yeah, um, he stayed, and interestingly, they've brought back Julian Stefan. Um, supposedly, so well, they've given him a contract till the end of the season, but it'll be interesting to see what he does because obviously he, I don't know if he left there at his highest stock, but certainly did brilliantly at, at Ren didn't really do particularly well at all at Strasbourg. So um, it will be interesting to see if he can sort of refine the spark and, and help Ren to do that. Again, I I think the Ren squad is extremely strong. Um, mm. I, I've said before, I genuinely thought they could have been outsiders for the title, bearing in mind that it was sort of a transition year for the PSG and they really disappointed and um, you know, I'm not blaming Terrier because obviously it takes a long time to come back from those kinds of injuries. But considering the other attacking options they've got, they should be doing so much better. Um, yeah. And the one really interesting thing that that Stefan did, I thought this weekend was um, give the armband back to Mondonda and take it away from yeah. Bouguio, which I thought was a, a pretty brave, arguably stupid thing to do. Yeah. But Bouguio was excellent at the weekend, so. Uh, who knows? Maybe Stefan knows more about management than me. Yeah, I feel like I almost feel like it freed him up. It took away that responsibility a little bit because, as you say, he it was his best form for for a number of months in that 
3-1 victory over, over Rouse, who are two straight defeats for them now as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to watch that um, develop, especially with Stefan returning, because we thought he looked like a decent coach, but as you say, the Strasbourg thing just didn't work out at all. Yeah. Um, nice, just quickly, just, just add hmm. to what Phil said about Nice. I mean, they're, they're, they're really not great to watch, and it's frustrating because I think they've got a good squad and some really good attacking players, but they're doing what they need to do. And, and you know, it might not be the best for neutrals, but if you're not conceding goals, then you don't need to, you know, kill yourself trying to score more than one if if you know one's going to be enough. And and mm. interesting, there was an interview at the weekend with um, Ua, who is the, the goalkeeper of Bordeaux, who holds the record for um, the, the sort of longest, longest time uh without conceding a goal and Nice is still a little bit off that I think they're now eight matches without conceding and I think he went sort of 13 something like that so you know it might be a bit early to be having that interview with him but he said that you know even though this was a team with like Zidane and Dugari and people like that in it the team did become obsessed with this not conceding so um, you know I think Nice will probably be having a few more one nils until they concede. And then hopefully they'll maybe cut loose a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you sort of can't fault them, especially because like this weekend it was without Tadebo. They've had the their sort of main midfield defensive shield um, out for the last couple of matches suspended as well. So they've also shown that little bit of adaptability. Um, yeah. And tactically, and in terms of of, of the the players at their disposal, um, but yeah, I, I I think what they're doing is fantastic. It's just a shame that they're not um, showing a little bit more with what they've got. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, opening up a little bit. Uh, speaking as a club who's um, uh, as a supporter of a club who's starting to get used to slightly drab one nil wins. Um, if it means the title comes home, I'll take it. Uh, sure well, speaking what... as a, a supporter of a team that have scored and conceded in the last 17 <laughs> matches, yeah. um, the occasional clean sheet would be nice. Yeah, it doesn't go amiss, does it? Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, right, just the quickly run through the other results, and we've got a little bit of Women's Champions League from Phil, and uh, we'll have a look ahead to the weekend's action coming up. Um, so... Elsewhere, I did mention it there briefly, but Rams did go down 3-1 away to Rennes. That L'Oreal Mets game was indeed a 3-2 win for Mets, if you didn't already work that bit out. Uh, Brest also got back to winning ways, unfortunately, for Phil with a 3-1 win away at Montpellier. And uh, Nantes and Lave, we referenced it in the intro. Uh, not a happy homecoming for Andreo, who was sent off uh, fairly quickly after coming on as a substitute, but Lave did hang on for a 0-0 draw and thus... A point, and the other result that we're missing from this collection is Claremont against Lens. Lens won 3-0. Um, they are definitely motoring now ahead of their Champions League game this week with Arsenal, of course. That's tomorrow. Uh, both teams reduced to 10 men, but Lens got the points. And all of that means PSG, as we mentioned earlier on, are still top, uh, but they are just one point clear of Nice, who are five clear of Monaco, who are a further point clear of Lille. And you've got Lille, uh, Rams. Lens are consolidated six now they're unbeaten in five uh Brest back up to seventh Love Metz and Ren down to tenth with Nantes Marseille Strasbourg Montpellier to lose who are falling like a stone to lose uh down to 15th and then Lorient in the relegation playoff spot Claremont are looking doomed at this point uh what that says about Leon is anyone's guess but seven points for Leon bottom nine points for Claremont 
nine. Uh, Phil, women's champion. Yeah, just, just very quickly, we mentioned the uh, sort of allude to the DNCG in Lyon. Basically, oh, yes, sorry, they're yeah. having a hearing today, which will dictate sort of how limited they are in terms of spending and transfers in January. So it is extremely important because, you know, if they're really freed up, they probably are able to find the cash to splash somewhere in January to at least stave off, you know, bring in players that can at least keep them clear of relegation. But yeah. if those limitations are sort of reinforced or confirmed or whatever, then, yeah, they they're really, really, really are in serious trouble. Yeah, trouble at mill, doomed. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, Phil, we, uh, Women's Champions League is back. Yes. Tell, tell well, there are some good signs for Lyon uh, in their wounds team uh, two two wins in their first two games uh, 9-0 against Slavia Prague and 2-0 against St. Bolton unfortunately the other uh, French teams in the Women's Champions League are both on the Nul Point. Uh, now, Paris FC are maybe newer to this competition, albeit they were GVC before that, but uh, they lost uh, 2-1 to Hacken in the first game and 4-1 uh, away at Chelsea. What's surprising is PSG also no point. They were beaten 2-0 by Ajax in the first game and 1-0 by Bayern in Paris in the second. So we've got a situation where Lyon are doing the Lyon thing and the Parisian teams are not doing well at all. Mm. Which is worrying for the what's it called the coefficient. Yeah. Yes. As well as that. So the um same coefficient that is improving in the men's game is getting worse in the women's game from that side of things. So yeah, or it, suggestions are it's getting better in the men's game anyway. Yep. Um but yeah, so you'll keep us but, across that. As well as that, we also saw some uh, youth team games. Um, yes. The under 21 Euro qualifier, um, France lost 2 0 to Austria, and everyone, oh my God, it's Thierry Henry's first loss. And then they went on to lose in a friendly to South Korea 3 0. Mm. I was like, only second loss. It, so that slightly awkward. Um, I was very confused by the fact that the under 17s appeared to be in two places at once given uh, they were in Euro qualifying 
and the World Cup, but Jeremy explained this to me. The under-17s under in Euro qualifying are the under-17s. The under-17s who are at the World Cup are actually the under-18s who were the under-17s when they qualified for the World Cup. Anyway, um, when it comes to the World Cup, they are through to the final, where they will play mini-Germany. Mini-Germany, yeah. Yeah, so they had a great kind of the first four rounds, no goals conceded. They were on the verge of being thrown out for having for playing an ineligible player. Um but that seems to have been brushed under the carpet. They beat Mali two one earlier today, I think. Um and so they are in the final but they yeah, actually won a penalty. Going to be a bit, a bit brisk. They won a penalty shootout in the second round, which was the first time I can remember any France team winning any kind of penalty in a long time. Um, after being totally outplayed by Senegal, but yeah, yeah they're playing Germany, who beat Argentina in a penalty shootout in the semi-final after a three-all draw. I don't know if that score and penalties is a bit ominous <laughs> around this time of year, considering what happened last year. But um, yeah, at least France are in the final, which is obviously a good thing. Yeah. Take what you can get, et cetera, and so on. Um, cool, cool. Okay. Uh, I think that is probably where we will leave this week in that case then. Um, just to say uh, we are sort of a little bit short of time, so we're going to wrap up now, but there are, a number of French teams in European action this week, uh, which we will let you know how that all goes next week. Um, and as mentioned before, PSG is probably the big the big one that uh, everybody's looking at, and that is tonight. So at time of recording, uh, you will know what has happened before we've even got this out. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, we'll be across that next week. Uh, just before we go, a very quick look ahead at the weekend's fixtures, which are as follows. This is round 12, 1st of December. Oh, sorry, I missed one there. Montpellier Clermont, of course, that replayed game. That is happening tomorrow. Um, so keep an eye on that one. And then the weekend's action is uh, rounds against Strasbourg. Uh, this is on December, that's December the 1st, which is Friday. Uh, Lens against Lyon. That's a big one, isn't it? That's on uh, on the Saturday, as is Nantes against Nice in the evening. And then the Sunday programme is Love hosting PSG. Uh, Brest hosting Clermont. Monaco against Montpellier. Toulouse against Lorient. Suddenly that's quite a big game. Uh, Lille against Metz. And Marseille against Rennes, which may be a little tasty one for the velodrome viewing on Sunday night. We will, of course, be back next week to discuss whatever happens, good, bad or indifferent, um, and uh, hopefully the shakeout of all those European games as well. But that is where we will leave this week. Uh, thank you for being patient with us, say not being uh, putting anything out last week, but sometimes you just got to have a week off. So uh, happy to be back. Uh, Phil, thank you very much for your time this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you. 
and Jess, uh, I'd like to say well done for the weekend, but I won't. I'll just say thank you again for this evening. <laughs> thank you. No worries. Uh, we will be back, as I say, next week. Uh, whichever games you are tuning into, whether at home or indeed in Europe this midweek, enjoy your French football and we will speak to you very soon. Bye.